Hey Highland, this is Matt Pinson. I'm here with David Sessions. Thank you for listening to us today or tonight or whenever you're listening to us. Um, we are here today with Ashley Crisp, who is uh, the children's minister here at Highland. Welcome, Ashley. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Ashley, tell us uh, what your favorite kind of music is. <laughs> Trick question. I don't listen to music. You don't listen to music. Can you say more about that? Tell me more. I feel like that's like a somebody I saw in a uh, in a TV or in a yeah a TV show where somebody they were visiting someone's house and someone's like, "We don't have a TV." And someone goes, "What do you point all your furniture at? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. What do you do when you drive?" Or yeah. Well, when I drive, I listen to podcasts or audiobooks. Okay. Music, I just don't get it. You don't get it. I don't get it. I don't hear a difference between most artists. So. Oh. You can put Beyonce and a worship leader next to each other, and I think they sound the same. That is very Oftentimes they do. So I just don't Jeff and Beyonce choose have a lot to listen to it. <laughs> I also get bored. I don't want to listen to the same song 27 times like yeah. other people in my life do. You don't get into it. Nope. You're just not into it. Nope. Interesting. Like, I had friends who loved music in high school, so we went to a lot of concerts. Uh-huh. I went to a lot of great concerts. I don't understand the desire to stand and watch people sing songs back at you. With the crowd yelling it next to you, you're just your heart's not in it. Nope, mm. that is interesting. I've said this to you before. I feel like it's I have the same like response when if somebody were to say like I just don't really like food. Like I eat it because if I don't, I'll die. But I mean, I it I don't I don't have a place in my brain to put. I don't I don't get music. It doesn't mean that I'm judging you. Oh no, I know there are a lot of people that do, because <laughs> most people say, "Excuse me, what?" Yeah, but. I would yeah. rather learn well, something to, than you know. To each his own. You can't tell the difference between two different artists. David uh, maintains that all donuts taste the same. No, no, no. All Aveline donuts taste the same. That is a false statement. Yeah, I will. Well, I will disagree with you Matt on that one. Not proved me wrong in a blind taste test I several did. years ago. He correctly identified six out of six <laughs> Aveline donut makers. <laughs> uh, what a sad talent. <laughs> Hey, but you would be a winner among the kids to be able to do that. That's always been my best demographic. Yeah. And Matt um, likes which donut in which Aveline, identical Aveline um, is the best. I, I go back and forth. It depends on what donut I'm eating. We can talk it. We can get real. We can get real inside baseball about donuts if you want to. Yeah, it is. It, it is like somebody asking me what's your favorite song, and I would be like, well, like what genre? Like what? But yeah. for you, this is donuts. Like a a chocolate donut, I gotta go Mustang donuts. <laughs> like a plain glazed donuts, Abilene donuts is okay. really really good. Okay. Like a, a croissant, like pastry type yeah. thing. AM donuts. Do you have a preferred AM donut location? Well, I've only ever been to the Willis one. Okay. I've never been to the other ones. See, I just get glazed. I'm real boring. Okay. Don't listen to music. I only eat glazed donuts. What's your favorite uh, audiobook you've ever listened to? Oh, that's a tricky question. This is like, <laughs> if I ask Matt what's the best donut place, he can't give me just one answer. It's that, yeah, to you, audiobooks. So one of the most fascinating ones I like to listen to is Malcolm Gladwell right now. Mm, yeah. His audiobooks history. are essentially glorified yeah, podcasts. Yeah. yeah. And so one of I listened a couple years ago to Talking to Strangers and mm. he inputs music. There's a song just written for that book. Oh, he cool. inserts the um, interviews with the people when he can. So you're listening to the actual speaker oh, read their really quotes cool. versus Malcolm, yeah. who has a great voice 
but it's just a super interesting yeah. way to do it. Um, probably the most fun audiobook I've listened to recently is called, uh, oh, is it Cooking with Chemistry? I don't know. That's going to bug me. I that don't know the title. Like a book I've heard of. Cooking it's, with Chemistry. Mm-hmm. Is it a cookbook? No, it's not. Okay. It's about a woman in the 1960s, I believe, who is a chemist who they decide she needs to host a cooking show because she would be good on camera, but she doesn't actually do the cooking, like saying, let's add salt. She uses all the elemental, mm. you know. Let's put NaCl2 in there. Exactly. Look yep. at you. Yeah, that's the only one that I know. Wow. Yeah. So it was really interesting. That's I listened to it all in one day, one day. Wow. Yeah. All in one day. How many hours? Uh, I don't know. It's about, well, confession, I listen to most audiobooks at 2.5 speed. So that's not a confession. You don't need to be ashamed of that. You know, you can make a nine hour audiobook real short. That's okay. Well, and it sounds like the chipmunks are reading it to you, which is, I don't think so, <laughs> but I have had kids before say those aren't actual words. Oh. So, okay. Well, Ashley, you came and worked at Highland. You actually, uh, interned with Suzetta and his kids ministry while you're in college. When did you start working with Suzetta? Um, I began intern. I began volunteering in children's ministry in 2011. Uh-huh. I started my internship in summer of 2012, and then I ended my internship when I graduated from grad school in 2017 and moved away. Okay, and you you got your graduate degree in speech therapy. I happen to yes. know. Yes, and you went away and started doing speech therapy. But what was it about that internship and experience with Suzetta that made you think, even though I've got a graduate degree in speech therapy, which is I know because my wife is a speech therapist, a pretty lucrative and in high demand job. What, what happened in that internship that made you come back? So I was always, I'm going to go back up a little bit. Okay. I was always the kid. Um, the moment I left elementary school at my church growing up, the next week I was volunteering in the nursery. I was always the kid mm. who wanted to be around other kids. Um, I saw value in it. It was fun. Um, and so... I did all of that. I had a youth minister one time. I remember him saying that if you ever consider going into ministry, that means that's your calling and thinking, oh, please, no, (laughs) (laughs) that sounds terrible. But just because at that point, my family was really involved. My mom was taking on some roles in children's ministry and watching all the time she took on Saturday to go sit up for Bible class thinking, that sounds miserable. Mm. Why would I ever want to do that? And so when I graduated and moved to ACU and was looking for a church home, I ended up at Highland and it took only a couple of months before I thought I'm missing something. Hmm. I don't have my church here. And so my aunt introduced me to Suzetta who welcomed me on Wednesday nights Mm -hmm. and got to be plugged in here. And then all through the internship, Suzetta and the way Highland did children's ministry was direct opposite of the way my children's ministry was run. We were taught to know about God. And you should memorize all these facts versus Suzetta invited us into a way of you can know about God, but you can also know God. Hmm. doesn't matter if you're four, if you're 12, if Hmm. you're 60, Hmm. you're invited to be a part of it and invited me into seeing children's ministry in a way I never thought was possible. Do you remember the first time that you kind of like sensed that or saw like, oh, this is different. Like what, what, what did Suzetta do that was different? My first memory is I was doing Wednesday nights with, we had dinner with neighborhood kids and then we would go into the, what was purple room at that time and would do worship. And one of the first few nights watching the prayer wall Mm. and thinking, huh, this is an interesting concept. 
it's cool that the kids know what they do. They're all in. I'll participate. It participate, but okay, whatever. Yeah. But when we got to Lent that year, I, growing up in a church that do, did not do any liturgical practices, mm-hmm. Lent was new to me, and so I remember th- sitting there hearing her talk about it, thinking, "What? Where? Where do I have a place for this? Mm-hmm. What do I do with this?" Um, and it was her, and I believe Teacher Dana. Um, was doing the imposition of ashes on the kids mm. and watching the kids have serious questions and be all in mm. and wanting to participate, thinking, okay, this is different. They know something I don't. Oh, wow. So you even saw not like in, in first, you didn't see that knowing God versus knowing about God in like Suzetta's strategies. You first saw it in the students' responses mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. And the questions cool. yeah. she would ask them, the questions they would ask back. And have no fear to ask a question I might have been wondering since first grade, but never had a place I could ask it. Uh-huh. Yeah, that didn't get chastised mm-hmm. or made you know made you feel stupid that you didn't have an answer to it already. Mm-hmm. And I was the twenty-something-year-old in the room, and they're the ten-year-old asking that question. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Okay, so you went and you got your uh, degree in speech therapy, and mm-hmm. you went to the Dallas area and were working in schools, mm-hmm. and. What happened next? What was that? What was that time in your life like, and how did that set you up for maybe a call from Highland back, call to come back to Highland? Well, um, I had told myself I would do two years wherever I went after um, my first job after grad school, which I almost didn't go to grad school. I almost gave up and said, I think I'm going to do ministry, but decided no, I do love this profession. I want to be a speech pathologist. Let's go ahead and do it. Yeah. And being in the schools is hard. Anyone that works in the schools in any way, shape, or forms knows that it can be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Being a speech pathologist in Texas can be even more of a challenge. We don't have therapy caps. We don't have student limits. So my going into my second semester of my second year, I had more kids with more therapy hours than there were school weeks, school hours in a week. Mm. So trying to figure out how do you adequately serve these kids who desperately need assistance in some way or another, and am I doing it well? Yeah. And getting frustrated thinking, Schools are a good place to be, but can I stay here? Mm. And about the time I was really starting to wrestle with that, um, a friend, well, he's now a friend, um, I did not know him, texted me and said, hey, Suzetta gave me your number. We're looking for a children's minister. Would you ever consider switching fields? Mm -hmm. So I followed that trail for a while to move to Northwest Arkansas. And that was one of those jobs and one of those interview processes. Every time I thought I was going to say no, because this wasn't going to work out. This didn't make sense. I didn't want to move to Arkansas. Yeah. The next day I'd get a phone call and say, hey, you, this is going to work out. Or, hey, this answering questions I was wondering about. Yeah. And so I have lovingly said I felt like God kicked me to Northwest Arkansas because that's <laughs> the only way I was going to get there. Yeah. And spent two years, almost two years in Northwest Arkansas as a children's minister before Highland called. Okay. So, yeah, tell us what kind of happened there. So you're, you're working in Rogers? Rogers. Rogers. Mm-hmm. And uh, you get a call one day, and how does that conversation go? Well, I was actually in town visiting for oh, okay. something, and Suzetta and the children's ministry team took me out to lunch and said, no, it wasn't the children's ministry team, it was Suzetta. She just took me out to lunch, and she said, how would you ever feel about coming back? Mm. And I started crying right oh. there. It Very felt sneaky of you, Suzetta. <laughs> <laughs> she knew what she was doing. Yeah. Um, and a dummy. Yeah. It felt like an invitation home. Yeah. Mm. Say more about that. And Why? so... My family life in college was hard. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of change, a lot of transition. My parents got divorced. It was first time being independent. I have four younger siblings. Um, 
And Highland gave me a place to do all sorts of things, find my faith, ask questions, a place to serve, but also a place of refuge that I could come and sit in the office with Suzetta and with the, with Galen and with Shelly and with Cindy and Amanda and Kate and Summer mm-hmm. throughout those summers and feel however I felt and I belonged. It didn't matter that I was questioning or I was mad or whatever was going. Yeah. I was welcome and the kids welcomed me. Yeah. They created a place where I was I was welcome to be no matter what what place I was in. Yeah, which is almost exactly what you just said about how the children were treated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even though you felt kicked into Northwest Arkansas and it wasn't ever, you saw yourself long term and you have a lot of connections here, it's still really hard mm-hmm. to uproot and leave. And so that's that invitation from Suzetta felt like worth it. Mm-hmm. It felt worth it to consider. Um, I was in a hard transition with the church I was at. Um, they loved their people well, and they taught me lots of good things. But yeah. about that time Suzetta called, it became clear that this was probably not going to be a long-term fit Got it. and that it might be time to leave. And I was trying to decide, am I done with ministry? Mm-hmm. Should I go back to speech? I kept yeah. my license up. I was could able, able to go back. Or what am I going to do next? And when Suzetta called it, it was a worthwhile thing to consider. Yeah. yeah. That eventually led me back to here. So, yeah, I mean, we joke, uh, we joke that all roads lead back to Abilene. We have those shirts. Um, yes. When I graduated, both of my, two of my sisters said, Hey, you know, you're going to live in Abilene again one day. Right. And I said, no, I'm not. And they said, Oh, you are. So when I told them I was moving back to Abilene, they both said, I told you so. It only <laughs> took five years. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so when you, uh, volunteered and interned at Highland, Suzetta really shaped kind of how you feel about children's ministry, where value, where you find value in it. And, um, and then after speech therapy, you went to Arkansas and you did it on your own. So what things did you bring with you there from Suzetta and what things did you find about children's ministry on your own that you've brought back here? Well, a big thing doing it on your own, you learn, is it's not fun or always effective to do it on your own. Hmm. Um, having a team, whether it's a staff or it's volunteer base that believes what you believe and sees value in what you're doing, stand next to you makes it all feel different versus you're beating your head against the wall or trying to pull the door open versus you're all walking through together. Hmm. Um, Probably one of the biggest things I took away from my time with Suzetta, my time in the schools in Arkansas and coming back here is the importance of relationship first. Um, Like in the schools, trying to get a child to correct a speech sound, work on sentence structure. If they didn't know you and trust you, Mm -hmm. why are they going to listen to you? Tell them that they're wrong. Um, and so going to Arkansas, having parents see, I knew their kids learning who they were, knowing them beyond just their name invited a relationship and invited a place. And so that was probably one of the things that coming back was my first thing I wanted to make sure I was doing was knowing yeah. the kids that were around me. Yeah. Cause knowing, knowing names is important. Knowing that you're welcome here is important. I had a kid in Arkansas who my goal for six months and I told him it every week is that I wanted him to leave on Wednesday nights knowing I was glad he was there. Hmm. If he had a hard day, if he had a bad day, if he was glad to be there or not, yeah. I was always glad he was there. Because until he believed that, yeah. we could do nothing else. Yeah. yeah. So, like, how's that different in church versus speech therapy? I mean, what what is it that you're trying to get that kid to believe that he can only believe once that's in place? 
I mean, one of the big things I want them to believe from the beginning is that I'm for them. I'm excited they're here. I'm glad they're here. And I love them. Like, that's the first big thing for them to know. And then from there to know that they are part of Highland. They're part of the church. They're not less than because they're four, five, 12, Mm -hmm. that they're who we are. We had a kids, a kids, a couple weeks ago, we were having an event and I don't remember what I said, but their response immediately back was, Hey, we're not the future. We're the church now. Mm. And to know that at 10 is a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know why I think you're right about that, but like, I mean, let's make it, make, make it explicit. Why, why does that matter that young people know that they're part of the church right now? One of the ways I can explain that, I don't know if I'm going to have great wording of it for it is the church I grew up at. We didn't speak about kids. Mm. We didn't speak about youth for most of my mm. time. And to feel like you're not welcome in the space. Why do you care about what's happening in the space? Yeah. Um, and so them knowing that they belong gives them ownership to this space. And I think it gives them interest into what we're doing. And if they know they're wanted to be here by me, if they know the church wants them here, there's an invitation to talk about why we're here Yeah. and model the relationship and the love that Christ shows us to show it to somebody else Yeah. and to show them, here's why we do this together. Here's why community is important. Here's why the church does this. If you're in a relationship, you can start showing those things and teaching those things and instilling the story of Jesus and the gospel. Yeah, that's so good. Cause I mean, one thing that I learned through in student ministry, and it's kind of one of those like, duh, you should know this things, but you kind of learn, continue to learn on deeper levels is like the concept of an unconditional creator God is so fantastical that unless you have come from a family of origin where unconditional love was already expressed, unless you know it in your bones, mm-hmm. like you can't ever... You don't have a file for it. Right, know? right. You can't yeah. believe something you haven't experienced. Um, and you see that in the Gospels all the time. It's like when Jesus talks about belief, he's talking about experiential belief and believing, trying on something new in belief and to then see if that is, you know, uh, uh, true. And I, I love knowing my kids are in a children's ministry where um, they are not just experiencing their mom and I's unconditional love, but that that's being reinforced in, in children's ministry. And I think one, one of the ways that unconditional love is is expressed is one of the things you've talked about already, which is like, we can take all your questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing that I have loved about watching my kids go through children's ministry is uh, in when my older boys were small, and it was Susetta, she has a way of trusting kids with the mystery mm-hmm. that I think is really powerful. Um, especially as we've talked with people about deconstruction, when you give people, yeah, you know, things and say, This is people can't see what I'm doing with my hands, but I can't <laughs> think of the word. Um, you know, this is like non-negotiable these are bricks that you're building your faith with and then they get older and they start some of those bricks start to crack and the their whole faith tumbles down but when you start a kid off being able to embrace yeah the mm-hmm. mystery then they have room to grow and ask questions and yeah. yeah and i think somehow that 
you know, not every kid that's going to walk in the doors has experienced a family of unconditional love. Yeah. And there's something about embracing the mystery and inviting children in the mystery of God where maybe they can start to experience that um, because they're going to they're gonna bring hard questions. Yeah. Yeah. I had someone in there with us a few weeks ago and I was teaching in the elementary class and something Suzetta taught me that honors their curiosity of if they ask a question, we first throw it back to them and say, "Why? Well, I wonder what you think that means. Yeah. I wonder... I wonder why that's important. Um, yeah. Like yesterday, someone asked me what the word enabled mean and why it was in this verse. And instead of me saying, well, here's what the word enabled means, because I can tell you. Right. We spent about five minutes exploring, well, what do you think it means? Where have you experienced that word? And yeah. one of the kids was like, that's what my mom's iPhone says. When I can't unlock it with my phone and I go to type in the password, <laughs> you have to enable it. Uh, and having some good conversations about what it yeah. means. And the young adult in the room was like, well, why didn't you just tell them? Yeah. I said, because it's their learning too. It's yeah, yeah. It allows them to honor who they are, yeah. who God created them to be. They're curious. They want to learn. They're interested. And by creating safe spaces, they can ask the hard questions. They yeah. can yeah. explore with confidence that even if I'm asking something that's off base or my comment doesn't make a lot of sense, that you're going to help me reframe it, or yeah, you're yeah. going to ask the right question to get what I mean. Right. It also respects their point of view. Mm-hmm. And makes them feel like they have a valuable voice, which is one of one of I know his kids' values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you guys do such a good job of um, allowing that kind of student-directed learning based on their questions and living those questions, living the mystery of God. And I mean, again, I just love our kids are not being taught that God is always easily definable because that's mm-hmm. a pretty small God that fits in a pretty small box and. And I don't think God fits in a small box. Okay, so you're at fifth grade graduation. Yes. And you know Bobby, Susie, uh, they got the best of you. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you partnered with their parents, and, and, and they were, you know, with you lock and stop. What do they know? Mm-hmm. What do they feel? What, do they, what have they experienced about God? Biblically, I hope that they are aware of this story and that it's a greater story, that the Bible is not all these distinct stories that don't connect, but there's an overarching story of God restoring his creation, how he is, he loves us. He seeks us out and he is restoring us over time. I hope that they can articulate that in some way and that they have biblical skills. They know where the books of the Bible are. They understand what they're attempting to do when they open their Bible. Um, but relationally, like I've said, I hope they know that we are for them, Mm -hmm. that they have a friend in us. They have a mentor in us, whatever that relationship is from when they leave me, when they go to the next Ashley, that that is still a key relationship and we are still fighting for them, that they are part of us, that they are welcome back. I like that we've kept it easy and that they don't have to learn a new person's name. They just go from Ashley Ashley to Ashley Ashley. and now read and now read. Read Yes. Has not officially started as of the recording, but if you're listening Past July, June sixteenth, he has started. So <laughs> excited! Um, yes, yeah. we joke that one Sunday Ashley Sturman and I will get up on the platform together to do announcements yeah. to help those that confuse us see that we are two different people. <laughs> yeah. Sturman has a funny story that a friend of hers had not seen me for my first six months working here, and did not think I was a real person. Oh, okay. <laughs> I am still. Uh, somebody might still see me on Sunday. I'm like, hey, hey, Zane, hey, come here real quick. I got it. <laughs> 
I'm like 12 years older than Zane. <laughs> and he doesn't work here anymore. <laughs> I take that as a compliment. Ashley and I just text each oh, other yeah. the compliments the other one gets based off their ministry. <laughs> Texted That's her good. a lot of congratulations on her demon. Um, okay, so uh, sometimes I get to uh, sneak into Wednesday night and be a part of uh, his kids, and it's a blast. <laughs> and I laugh all the time. Sometimes it's an open laugh. Sometimes it's a stifled laugh. And sometimes um, it probably should be a stifled laugh, and stifled laugh, and it's not. I'm just laughing with a student, I think, mostly. But... His kids is funny, is what I'm trying to say. It's a funny place yes. to be. Give us the best story, names included or not, um, of what in your since you've been full time here. What's the best thing that's happened in his kids? Well, that's you could almost have a story a week. Okay. One of the first one that pops in my head um, was within my first month or so here. I spent my first six months to a year full-time in the nursery, mm -hmm. which I loved. The nursery is one of my favorite places in mm -hmm. the building. Um, being greeted by a one-year-old is so fun. Hmm. But a friend was walking through to pick up a Wait, sibling. Can they talk? Some of them can. <laughs> <laughs> this friend was picking up their younger sibling and is not in the nursery. Uh -huh. And this friend looked at me one Sunday and said, Ashley, I need you to do something about your hair. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I said, excuse me? And they said, it is just too crazy. I need you to fix it. And I said, well, I think I'm a little crazy since I like to hang out with four-year-olds. And he said, uh-uh, it's too much. I need you to fix it and I'll check on you next time. Wow. wow. <laughs> what did he have in mind? I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> oh. Yes. Yeah, no, that's my... Uh... My crazy one. Oh, okay. Yes, it was. Right, I yeah. didn't know if he would want to be outed for telling me my hair was too crazy. Yeah, Does he want you to straighten it? You know, I honestly don't know. Okay. I asked and he said, I don't care. It's just too crazy. Oh, my goodness. That's Who funny. Would you, would you be open to letting him straighten it for you? You know, he could try. It <laughs> would be interesting. It would be interesting. That's good. No, it's. My favorite, and it always makes me laugh, is when we are doing our wonder questions during his kids' worship or on Wednesday nights, yeah. what their responses are sometimes, because they can be far and wide, they're sincere and everything, but you never quite know yeah. what they are going to say. And trying to keep a straight face and reframe it in a yeah. positive way. Yeah. What's the best wonder question? What's Or what's the wonder question that just jumps out when I ask you for a wonder question? I, this one's from one of my intern years. Okay. Um, we were, I taught the, well, I think they're now sophomores or maybe going into their junior year. And I taught them their third, fourth and fifth grade year. Mm -hmm. And there was one week we were teaching a story about Abraham, I think. And there was a fourth grader laying on his back in the middle of the purple room. And I had no idea if he was paying attention. He was not being distracting and it was, it was fine. Yeah. And he raised his hand and I said, hey, is this question on topic? Because we had a really great track record of asking off-the-wall funny questions sure. at any time. Yeah. Yeah. Dinosaurs, spaceships, all sorts of things that mm -hmm. you're not prepared to answer. Yeah. He's like, no, but it is so important. And I said, okay, all right, go ahead, ask it. It's not funny, it's serious. Okay. He looked at me and he sat, up, he sat up and he looked at me and said, okay, you know how there's God? Yes. Uh -huh. You know how there's Jesus? Yes. You know, there's a thing called the spirit, right? Yes. Uh -huh. They all go together, right? And I said, 
yes. And he said, I don't get it. Can you tell me all about it? And I was, it is like 9.45 and class ends at 9.50. Thinking, wow, that is not a light question. And the whole room goes, hey, I've been wondering that too. What about that? Can we talk about it? Oh, I want to know this about this too. And so we did a timeout and we said, that's a wonderful question. Let's all go home and think about it because I'm not prepared to answer today and we will come back. And for three weeks, they brought me their questions. Nice. And I remember going to Suzetta and saying, I don't know if I'm fully capable of giving a a lesson to third, fourth, and fifth graders about the Holy Spirit and the Trinity. Yeah. Please help. Yeah. But it is still one of the most, I mean, we could be sitting there right now for how well I can remember it in my brain. Yeah. And it was a good one. I think that's so great. I I mean, I love it. Like, uh, that's what we just know that people, I mean, that's why you listen to podcasts and not music, right? It's what you're curious about. Yeah. And so- the, just the learner-directed learning, I think, is fantastic. And I love, again, my kids, 10 and 8, um, know that if they ask their children's ministers a question, they're going to be respected. And also, like, they may get, like, a three-month answer Yes. <laughs> to, to, like, a really deep question. That was also the season that Mike Cope came to Wednesday nights frequently with us. Yeah. And his granddaughter was in my class, which uh-huh. she might not want to be out at about that. Yeah. But... When my class would ask hard questions, I'd pass Mike Cope in the hallway and say, hey, tag, you're it. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Depending on what it was. That's great. So one thing I love about that story, and I know it's been uh, an element of his kids that, again, that's been a blessing for my kids, is that question that that student asked started with you letting him lie in the middle of the floor. And maybe they don't ask that question if you're like, you need to sit up right now because, you know, you're letting him be a kid. And, mm-hmm. and he felt comfortable physically and you feel comfortable asking that question. And I also know that you have to manage sometimes 60 kids in a room. And so how do you and the volunteers, his kids, volunteers, like, how do you manage that balance? That really fine balance between, um, we got to let kids be kids and they're going to be them full selves. They're going to ask their full self questions, um, with also like, and we need some order (laughs) to like, how does, how does your team do that? And how do you coach your team to that? Yeah, that's a fine balance, but it's an important one. Um, like you said, kids need to be kids. Kids are created to move, to use their full bodies to learn. Um, and that is something I really love about who comes alongside us is that there's an understanding that kids meet God in the way that they meet God naturally, whether that's laying on your back or praying, standing up or spinning in circles while we're singing a song. Yeah. Um, one of the big things that I try to do with our friends and some of our, and our volunteers do too, is goes back to relationships. But when you learn who they are, you can also learn this kid is moving because that's the need versus I'm moving because I'm distracted and I want to cause the biggest problem in the room. So we invite volunteers to know, to get to know the kids and get to know what they're doing. Why are they doing it? It's a heart. It's a deeper question. And it takes a little bit more effort than just telling the child, be still. But it's inviting them to to see the kid, to Mm -hmm. see the people in the room. And so you're right. There are some Sundays where we sing the song, open and shut them, open and shut them, put your hands in your lap 17 times. (laughs) Because that's a skill we need to know. We need to be able to sit still and sit together and listen. But we also are aware that if you're wiggling in your seat next to us, 
and you're not distracting the group, then yeah. that just might be what your body needs right now. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, I've heard you and Susan talk about the importance of consistency with mm-hmm. volunteers. And so that makes sense to me that to know them, to build that relationship with them. Uh, that's not, that's why you guys aren't asking for like, Hey, come and volunteer for a week at a time, but you're, you're trying to recruit volunteers that are pretty committed. Yes. I always tell people that when they ask, why can it not be this, a different person every single week? Why don't we just rotate through? Yeah. Is I always invite someone to think to their experience in Mm. church. What are the people they remember? Mm. Whether it was five years ago, 15 years ago, 25 years ago, who do you remember and why? And the people I think of were my Bible class teachers every other week, or they did it for six months at a time, or they were my camp counselor who I might not see all year, but every summer they committed that whole week to be with us. And to, to think about how those relationships started somewhere. So even if you really only remember your Bible class teacher from sixth grade, they were still there in first grade. And so there's, there's a continuation and a relationship and an importance to being there all the time. So while it might sound crazy to say, Hey, we want you to commit for six months, it's an important thing. And there's also trust between parents and the volunteers. If yep. they see that same parent every week, if you're dropping off your six month old at the nursery and you see my face every week, I think there, or a different volunteer's face, there's some trust in knowing that person knows my child and is ready to see them. Yeah. One of the things that I love about his kids is that you recognize that not, that every kid is different, that, uh, some kids need to spend their Wednesday night lying on the floor. And some kids need their own room to run back and forth across for 45 minutes because they've had to sit in a chair all day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's, that's one thing that I've always loved about Highland and about his kids is that they recognize the unique uh, aspects of every, every child. How important is it to you to, to make sure that every kid feels at home and feels like they have a place? in his kids ministry. It's probably my highest priority. Um, you might get me to tear up a little bit here. Oh. thinking about this. <laughs> um, for those that don't know, I have a sister with special needs. Um, she's down syndrome. She is ooh, six years younger than I am roughly. Um, and so I've, you know, I've grown up with her. She's been in my world always and watching spaces be created for her or not created for her. Um, shapes a lot of who you are. It's one of the many reasons I went into speech pathology is going to speech therapy with Beth was a typical part of my week. Mm. Doing it at home was part of who we were and watching her have a place to belong at church or not have a place depending on who was around her really shapes you. Um, one of my favorite things to say about Beth, she is now 24 I'm doing the math correctly in my head. She would be very sad if I got that wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, she's now 24. And for the last couple of years when she was in Dallas, she would attend the church we grew up at with none of my other family members because her people were there. Mm. For four or five years, she sat in between one of my best friend's moms and dads. So the mom was on one side, the dad was on the other, and Beth was in the middle. And for most of church, she would hold their hands. And then oh. she had a community that I grew up with that like when they would say the Lord's Prayer or do something communal, she is reaching as far as she can with her four foot 11 wingspan to touch every person that's important to her. Um, And to have a place that she can go and be in 
and be totally welcome and none of us be there five years later is still an amazing thing. And watching a church surround her makes me want to make sure we are surrounding all of our kids, whether they have different abilities, whether they have sensory needs, communication needs, or just the need to move that they're welcome here and that they have a place that they know they are wanted to be. I love, I love that about you, Ashley. I love your vision to, to see all kids, uh, feeling loved and accepted and, and knowing that they have a place. And, um, and I'm, I'm excited about uh, the way you're going to shape his kids in the future to make sure that that happens. Um, I think that's uh, really beautiful. So you're, you're not new here anymore, but in COVID times, for many people, you may still be new. And I just want you to know that I'm excited that you're a part of Highland thankful for you and grateful for you, especially on Sunday mornings when Christine is singing and I'm in mm. the booth and Owen gets to sit with you and, uh, and attend church with someone who, uh, who knows him and loves him. Oh, thank you. It's wow. one of my great joys of Sunday mornings. 